0: Okay. Okay. Welcome back to Living in Your Own Skin, where I do my best to peel back the onion skin and get to know the real person. I do my best uh, work when I'm in very crazy situations like learning how to surf. And today's one of those days. Uh, I get to sit down with Betty Howard on our second episode and listen to a few stories of her pilgrimage and her journey. Uh, So here's another amazing story with Betty Howard, Episode 2. Welcome, Betty.
1: Thank you, Ben. I feel so honored that you would want to hear about any of my thoughts and my pilgrimage through life.
0: Yeah, I was listening to the episode this morning of our last one, and I love our interactions together because uh, when we take our time and when we are thoughtful about things, we came up with a great name. And this morning I'm trying to hold things loosely and see where they take me. Um, I set my intentions this morning and I uh, chose to make today a, a great day and I think that when you go out into the world and you really engage your surroundings, that um, you can make it a great day. So I'm super excited today, Betty. Um, And we left off with your time in Jordan, listening to you about princesses and um, really mentoring to um, single women in Jordan. Um so, if you want to pick it up from there or if you want to start somewhere else, I, I'm good with either way.
1: Well, um I also listened to the what we had recorded. I did that last night. Um, and we um, we were talking about learning what I was learning in adapting to um, another culture, another value system, and uh, I would say that that continued to be a major theme in my 31 years in Jordan. Um, Always eager to pick up cues and how to fit into situations that were so different from mine. But then I also remember growing up and um, my dad um, just teaching us to keep our values but also um, to be in situations that were different from what was happening in our own family life and accepting them and learning how to be appropriate. And I, that was uh, just things like when we were growing up, and I, I don't remember if I put this on the first podcast, but my dad was very conscious about teaching us proper etiquette, uh, table etiquette. Um, ben, did I bring this up before? No,
0: not at all. This is fascinating. I've never heard this story.
1: Yeah, and so when he felt that we were ready to learn about another piece, uh, how to use another piece of silverware, he would take us to a restaurant um, where we had to use that piece and how to use it properly. Um, Those were huge lessons for me. I remember once we went to a restaurant where there was a waiter standing behind every chair. <laughs> Fill up a glass of water again, or whatever, or learning how to use a new, say, a, a little fork or whatever we were working on. So he was. That was a huge gift to me because, especially when I would be. In homes where um, friends that were very, very high in the government, and um, there were waiters, and just to be aware and seeing how what I could order for a a, a waiter for a, in a cocktail party that fit into my ethics, but also get me, and it would just be soda water. But just that comfort in being in very high-class situations, but also I think uh, my dad's real humility uh, to be with people that were – had less than we had when I was in grade school. He helped um, start a church in a housing project, and it was like just after the Second World War where there were all these very poor people living in um, very poor homes, and we had a church there that, in a community center where he would go and set up the chairs and help arrange um, for t- uh, Sunday school teachers. Um, and we did that every week for many years. So I so a lot from him. I,
0: I remember that about Eddie, uh, your dad. Uh, he was so consistent. And I really appreciate you bringing him up. Um, I appreciate and that you are honoring him in his way, and um, talking about you know the the really amazing things that he did for you. I I, I love hearing that, Betty.
1: Thank you. And he was very uh, aware of me being a girl that needed girl attention. Yeah. Um, that. I didn't so much get from my mom because she was Mm -hmm. so taken up with the boys. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, you know, those memories were really special to me. But going back to Jordan, um, and I sort of left off by maybe around 1985. And Then it became really hard. Uh, I was so much more comfortable in Jordan than here in the States, especially around my uh, parents. Mm -hmm. And I did come back in 88, I think. Yeah. And um, just very, very fearful and uncomfortable. And so I dropped, I was given the opportunity to, Um, go into counseling that the mission paid for the first year and to find out why I was so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I ended up a four-year break um, from being in Jordan, but it was a very, very important time for me to deal with some of the discomfort that was deep in my heart. Um and find out why i I would skither through so many situations and be partly there, but partly not present. yeah i I was trying to protect myself from things that felt uncomfortable, so that was a it was a very, very hard time. But thankfully, after four years, I was uh, able to go back to Jordan.
0: That's amazing.
1: And, yeah. And you and Chris and your folks were a huge, huge support for me during that time. Um, I uh, would go up to Portland from Salem every um, Every time for counseling, and at least once a week, I would have um, coffee with your dad, Dick.
0: Well, that's um, nice.
1: And he just sort of was that family support that I needed during that very bewildering time. And, and then I would spend the weekends sometimes with you kids when uh, your folks were away. And So it was, it just, was a huge piece in holding me together during that and then being part of Salem Alliance Church they opened uh, a fund that paid for my counseling Mm, that's great Uh, was huge and but then also different people like I would house sit or I would do cleaning jobs but just Financially surviving during that time because I was no longer um, receiving money from the alliance, but uh, Salem Alliance just supported me and the and the folks there and were another real sense of family for me. And That's great. People even today wonder why I'm so at home and part of Salem Alliance when. I did not grow up here, but we have history since 1975. That they are just a family for me. Even today, um, 17 years after I retired in 19 in 2005, I'm still um, what they call honorary staff, and I go to staff meetings and so much a part of what's happening here, which is so fulfilling. (laughs)
0: I, I think it you you hit on an interesting point. Um, when people get older and retire, you know uh, when they're engaged in something like that, um, they do feel fulfilled, and they have a purpose that keeps you know taking them through um, when it, it could be rough or uncomfortable for them being alone and getting older, but, you know, you've had that church family, which has really supported you through these years.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, very, very much to this day. Um, and maybe I could talk a little bit more about that whole situation or of transitioning from almost the cocoon of being with the Alliance where they would pay all my rent, uh, they provided a car, all my health insurance, all my travel funds. Yeah. Um, and wow, the, hitting the reality of moving back to America and having to figure that all out uh, by myself, but with a lot of help uh, yeah. from other people. But um, when I, did
0: go I, I have so many uh, I have so many uh, uh, thoughts going through my head right now. I, I'm yeah, so excited to be you. talking to you today, Betty. Um, one of the things that I was so fascinated um, around that time, around 2000 or so, was Um, how much preparation that you did and the the cultural difference. I remember you packing these huge 50-gallon barrels with, like, soap and stuff. Uh, Do you have anything to say about that memory that I have?
1: Oh, oh yeah, I do. Um, Because the cost of living in Jordan is about a third higher than here. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just the way the... Christian Missionary Alliance provided for us that our our actual what they called allowance was bare bones, yeah. uh, below poverty line, but they would supply just through the different churches so much. So I would take back like things like shampoo and um, all kinds of things like that, just, uh, and uh, clothes for another four years, Um, anything that I could get at a much better price here and pack Mm -hmm. in those barrels. And then the uh, Alliance would ship them back back to Jordan. Uh, They would arrive in a a port city down on the Red Sea and be trucked up to us. so how long helped. how long did it take? Oh, it would be a three month thing. Wow. Incredible. That, yeah, that I would be waiting for that and that they would pay for an agent to, you know, claim them at the port and get them on a truck. Um hmm. so another way that um was, was so much fun, um, when I went back in uh ninety five um, yeah nineteen ninety five uh, one of the my missions pastor here in the church he just insisted that I get a computer and I had never had a computer before um, and so here I had to get a computer and that was a big big shift in how I settled into Jordan, because on that computer then I, one of my uh, Jordanian friends who was very, very good on computers taught me how to use it, how to turn it off and on, and all those very simple things that kids learn now in kindergarten and, uh, or before, and um, she had just, uh, she was Jordanian, and she... Work for the American Embassy, which she still does till this day. Very, very smart, sharp uh, lady. Uh, but what that did, it split me in a way I had never had before. Because then I was living partly here with news and getting communication uh, here with um, people here in America. And part, uh, so I began, I, I was like caught between living in America and living in Jordan, where before I could just close the American door for four years and totally move into uh, my life in Jordan. And it makes a huge difference how deep you can go into another culture. Because today, missionary... They'll be able to come back um uh, every summer or um every other summer and and it's so helpful for them to stay in touch with their children and their grandchildren um but it prevents a family from being totally into their new culture mm-hmm. you're You're split between the two so I thought that. my first years in Jordan um, as such a gift that I could just totally be absorbed and not be pulled back and forth. Like when I lived out in Muffruk, if I wanted to get a talk to um, the folks or if I wanted to, uh, my church wanted to have a audio (laughs) conversation with me. I would have to drive in, sleep overnight, get up at four in the morning to use the phone.
0: Wow, what a different time.
1: Yeah, but it just helped me just settle in and just love being Jordanian as much as I could. That was always my goal, to be part of my church family there. Um, But after that, then I was, between the two cultures. So that was a, a, a gift to families here who have sent their children and grandchildren away, but it also, I think, influences how deeply you can go into a new culture.
0: Yeah. I think it's so important to be intentional. Uh, in today's world, especially, we are constantly being pulled in 20 different directions,
1: oh. and
0: uh, we can choose to uh, be exposed uh, to things that maybe are not healthy for us. Even um, you, know, you know, silly examples like subscribing to too many email letters, so your your email. It's to be jumbled up, and you can't figure out what is what. what. Um, And you have to be very intentional to focus on one thing and do one thing well. So I've been fascinated with that lately, just trying to do one thing at a time. Um, So your time... I
1: I, I totally agree with you, Ben. Yeah. And we have to be intentional or we're not present in the moment. We're half in the moment and half pulled by other interests or desires. And I just thought, how many times I wish I had been more present in situations. There was so much more for me to take in and enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now it's just as my energy is less. I'm so grateful to keep life very simple. Yeah. To keep what I get on my email very. I don't uh, get involved in a lot of things. Uh But. what I listen to what books I'm listening to that um, they have to be open my mind and heart to relevant things and not just silliness or denying what is really going on in my world yeah
0: interesting um uh I didn't mean to derail the conversation. I'm just
1: uh,
0: really trying to be present in the moment. And uh, you caught me off guard there because that's exactly what I was just thinking about this morning was being present in the moment. And so when you were saying that you had to be present in the moment because you had to wake up at 4 a.m. just to make a phone call, it's like, wow, like that is such a polarizing thing from where we're at today where you can you know just have everything at your fingertips now so
1: yeah and it was more than waking up at four it was the day before driving through the desert uh in and staying with some fellow missionaries I mean, yeah it really had to be planned do anything like that because of course we didn't have phones or anything yeah. like that. When I was then moving and did move into Amman, um it was very, it was before cell phones. Um, so that was in uh, the um, uh, 80s. You had to go to an office and request Uh, a landline. And uh, this was something I remember taking from a Bible story where Jesus talked about a judge, an unjust judge who wouldn't help a a widow. But she just persisted and persisted. And I thought, okay, um, this man, this official, it's not going to give me a landline, and I really need it. So every week I would just go and sit in his office
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> where, in a Jordanian way, the polite way would be to approach him and push in, even before other people, and ask. And I would just go and sit there. And finally mm-hmm. he said, I gave you that because I was so embarrassed. Uh, You didn't push. You just waited. And so I told him, well, I got the idea from a Bible story and uh, to just wait, wait until you could um, give that. And he said, I would have never given that to you if you hadn't just waited week after week. And later I told some of my Jordanian friends, and they said, oh, Betty, you didn't. But that man is a very strict Muslim, and it's a wonder he didn't just throw you out. with <laughs> told him where you got the idea to just keep going and keep going.
0: Yeah, persistence.
1: Yeah. Oh,
0: what what else do you remember about Amman that uh, sticks out in your mind?
1: Well, amen.
0: Um, is that how you pronounce it? Amen.
1: Oh, amen. It's that, the uh in the news, they say Aman, yeah. But they they don't. Yeah, it's not correct. Anyway, um, well, uh, one of the things that I was very involved with when I uh, went back in, um, ninety five was that we were going to be more intentional in, um, reaching out to Muslims, and I had a, a friend who. I did Bible study uh, with from that background, which of course was illegal. And um, <coughs> anyway, she um, really did well. She was in high school and did so well. She's from a very, very poor family. And uh, she did well in her high school, so she was able to go to a good university there in Amin. And um, but her father didn't want to pay for her uh, to do that. He wanted her to be go into the military and become a nurse. And so um, I really talked to different Jordanian friends who pulled the money together to pay for her tuition. And Thanks. that was a huge step forward for her. And then I meant to look up who it was that was the, the Secretary of State for the U.S. government um, at that time. But in 2000, he came with a whole group of other People and they had seminars um, in peace and reconciliation, Mm -hmm. Uh, and um, through a number of situations, especially with the family that were high up in the government, um, I was quite involved with all of these senators and higher ups in the U.S. government in planning that and. But then we did have a dinner with King Abdullah and Queen Rania uh, that um, I had invitations for myself and this girl. And I got um, other people who had proper, very nice clothes that would go to a, a banquet with the king. And that was really special to help that girl make some of those huge jumps um, to be able to enter into more middle-class environment after she graduated. So that, that was just uh, one little piece of what I was involved in during that time. That's great. Um, yeah, it was exciting, just very exciting for her and just... Like even before the dinner, I took her to a restaurant and, you know, we put our glass there. Well, why do you put your glass of water there? And this is how we use this silverware because in her family when I would go, we would be sitting on a mat on the floor with a big round um, flat tray and be eating with our hands. Um, So talk about huge cultural jumps. And, but I just wanted, her, you know, she would. She had a degree from the university in computer science, and she would be entering into a whole other world in Jordanian culture, and just to help her make some of the steps and feel comfortable, just like my dad did teaching us yeah. when we were growing up. So that was that was really special. And it was special for me to be involved in that kind of situation. Mm. And then... it's a nice memory. It, yeah, so then in... Uh, well, in, 19, in 2000, I got breast cancer, so I was here, personally, when that was discovered, and I was here for that year to recover, and then went back. And uh, the Alliance policy was that when you were 65 and could get on Social Security, You came back to the state, and some people ask, "Well, why? Why? You know, you've had all these years of experience. Why would you come back? Why not stay in Jordan?" And I think there's a couple of reasons. Younger people, you know, there's so much money that the Alliance had to support missionaries, and especially if you were in a culture that really honored older people. The, the National Church would would give more credit to um, the older generation. And the newer generation has new ideas and new approaches that are really important. And then another thing, if I had stayed here, I, I wouldn't have had this uh, rent paid, car paid, <laughs> yeah. travel, um, extra insurance. So I knew I had deep peace that it was time to come back, but the thought of using the word retirement seemed so um, out of reality. And I got this word, I came back to be retreaded into a whole new way of reaching out to people. And that's where I ended up through a number of experiences Experiences in my first year back, like I was on staff for a drug court for nine months, learned so much and just training. And so then I ended up having this um, opportunity with prison fellowship at our women's prison, um, forty-five minutes. was my retreading. And out of that, a whole ministry was developed.
0: telling me about a story that you were helping somebody uh, find shelter and you're in this mentoring program where you're the you help help the the mentors so
1: um,
0: I was just um, like amazed when my sister was telling me this because I mean you're in your 80s and you're just doing everything you can to like help this lady, um, and all of these people. So I was just wondering if you wanted to kind of share about what you're doing today.
1: Yeah, and again, um, like last time we talked, I was talking about waking up white. Right. Well, in my book group this month, we read uh, a book of a woman and her young son's journey to escape the cartel in Mexico, horrendous, horrendous stories and journeys um, that they went through to escape the cartels that were after her right up to the border and probably after when she finally was able to escape. And at the same time, I had a girl that left um, a mentoring program here in Salem run by the Gospel Union Mission a shelter where she was safe and was in counseling and doing well, but she, um, it became clear that she needed treatment they didn't have for anorexia. And so she ended up not qualifying and ending up right on the, literally on the sleep. On the street, where was she going to get? It was just, oh, she's chosen not to do well. And she went back to alcohol, and she was drunk. And um, she ended up, she came to one of our community groups, and she had no place to sleep that night. And um, then I remembered vaguely about a place called Safe Sleep where girls could go in at six at night, get a um, a minimum evening meal, and be able to sleep on a mat or a cot, and I took her there and learned more about that program that's only three years old, where they are taken up to 19 girls, one bathroom, no showers, a meal, but at least They're safe. They're not going to be raped at night. Um, And so I learned more about that and how that meal, that evening meal, was provided and that they had some churches who provided some of the meals, but like on the weekend they had no one providing meals. So I went to my book group uh, really uh, almost in tears. And presented the idea that I felt God gave me that if we um, could raise $35 a week, we could buy, I could get five rotisserie chickens from Costco and a bag of vegetables and take there for one night. And... That all, I think that whole book about the women fl- uh, fleeing from the cartel in Mexico, plus, you know, I've been praying for a number of years internally. Lord, I see these homeless women, and I want to get them food, but I have to also protect my own safety by yeah. you know, walking right in front of my house and not opening myself to danger for myself. But here's an opportunity. And the women in my book were just book group were they provided enough money for us to do it for the next four Saturdays. So that's exciting. I just just thank the Lord for um, how we're able to do that to really care for women who are in real dangerous situations where they yeah. have no place to sleep. So how God just continues to open opportunities. I know I talked to your mom the other day, and uh, she just said, how are you dealing? Why are, you, know, you don't seem to be grieving just losing your energy. Now I have leukemia, which I have to be very careful to not overdo and get 12 hours of sleep at night or during the day if I don't get it at night. But, you know, the Lord has just all these years so carefully paced me. My time with the Lord of reading through the Bible every year and um, journaling and I'm, it took me three years to memorize the Book of Ephesians, and now I'm working on the Book of James. Just memorizing and reviewing every day, just huge chunks of Scripture, keeps my heart and mind at peace. And peace yeah, investment. it's just it's just amazing how God just gently, I'm at peace and I'm at with less energy, less time to do things, but I just have such deep peace.
0: Yeah, that's that's amazing. I I really appreciate you sharing that because a lot of people struggle with, you know, when something bad happens, you know, what do you do? And so memorizing scripture and focusing on that and Um, Really becoming at peace uh, is an amazing way to, an amazing posture to have. Uh, And it's very, very um, respectful, uh, commendable. Um, I think that brings me to my um, next question. You have this fierce independence, and I've always respected that about you, Betty, Um, you know, you are on your own path. You are on your own journey. Nobody um, can tell you what to do. And I think, you know, it's about reframing and thinking about, you know, this is a good thing. This is something to be celebrated. Um, If you're on the other side of you, and you want to get a computer, like when you're staying in Jordan, um, and you're just going to go and sit in his office every day, <laughs> or was it a, a phone? <laughs> um, uh, you know, it can be daunting to say the least. But you know that persistence that you were talking about, and that fierce dependence—how um, has that served you in your life?
1: Well. Um it served me in positive and negative ways
0: <laughs> like everything life is complicated
1: <laughs> yeah i've uh, growing up there was a a real sense um from my mom not to be a burden
0: mhm well that was the whole generation you know growing up in the 50s um that was the whole thing like um, be silent and not heard I, was a phrase that was I, often and, used. Um,
1: yeah, and very strongly, um, I was told I was insensitive and not caring enough for other people, too much, just to thinking about myself. So you learn to sort. You know, I learned to take care of myself. And not uh, expect someone else to come alongside mm-hmm. uh, and take care of me. There were those um, occasions when my dad would move in and do something special, but um, that was not often. And uh, but the downside is you you know if I think I need to ask for help it's very hard I feel like I'm um, imposing on people yeah me too to get help from other people Um, but on the good side the upside of this um, it's just the way God has wired my mind I love to try to figure out ways to accomplish something and also I feel like the Lord has given me um, a gift of creative thinking, like even figuring out all the details of um, what I would ask my book group for money and how I would use it and how I would record everything so that they could be sure that I was... Um,
0: Not skimming off the top?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, and, as it turned out, they said, oh, Betty, don't. We don't need so. I know
0: that's why I'm laughing. It's ridiculous,
1: <laughs> but you know, <laughs> uh, just I think a lot of it is this creative mind of figuring out what I can do with what I have, yeah, and uh and when I can ask for the help of other people, I live in a wonderful. Um, caring neighborhood uh, across the street I have two um, men gay friends that are a couple and Mm -hmm. they are ready uh, to help me at any time I would um, ask for help like in my garden or um,
0: yeah we should share this episode with them because you've talked so highly about these two guys and
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, you know, to uh, preserve their, uh, I, um, their un- anonymity. Hard word uh-huh. to say. But um, anonymity. Uh, well, then you know,
1: it's just uh, you been know, a huge gift. They could be more gentlemanly and yeah. more gracious. And if I have any question about anything, um, I'll just text. Yeah. You know, can I come over for a few minutes? Yes, come on over and they'll yeah, help me figure nice. out whatever I need to figure out and um but they but that you know, that was a journey too being um from my very conservative evangelical background to really accept and open my heart to them as um from the gay community, to appreciate them for who they are yeah. and uh, um, And they know that I totally accept them, but they also have very clearly said they appreciate that they know that isn't my uh, perspective or value system. And so there's just a mutual acceptance and um, respect between us. And that's been a really great learning, growing piece of my life these days in uh, this cultural moment where we live and to accept people where they are, but that doesn't change my value system that we're all created in the um, image of God and God has such great plans for us growing in him in that way
0: yeah that's great i really appreciate you sharing that because uh it really shows me that people can learn new things you grew up uh, in a very different culture um and you really changed your mindset and i love hearing about people going through a transformation in their life and i've always had a real soft thought for people going through transitions in their life and coming um, alongside them and just being that kind of like kind person that they can talk to during that transition in their life. A lot of times I've I've gone out of my way to welcome people to the neighborhood. Uh, Six months ago, we hosted a block party And that was really fun, uh, for some people that just moved here from Maryland and they don't know anybody here. And, uh, so we had the whole block and we came and just kind of welcomed them to the neighborhood. So I have done that, you know, and I've really gone out of my way to make it a big deal and kind of embrace that. Um, so it's kind of a a fun, a funny thing.
1: It's again the generations, you know, because your mom and dad, Vic and Judy, do this.
0: Yeah, they do that. Uh, and uh, they do just, that all the time.
1: Yeah, and um, we have our block party on my front little lawn, mm-hmm. and um, we just this last um, fall we celebrated our fifth annual block party. But I'm I'm the one that. Instigating that we've got quite a variety of people on our blog, but just to see the joy of everybody being together and feeling comfortable, yes, and, and just that was that was so rewarding. I remember, this especially this last year, because of course we missed the year with COVID.
0: Yeah, does it feel like it's opening up there a little bit?
1: Um, we're still on a mask mandate, Yeah, but um, hopefully that will change in the next month. Uh Uh-huh. I've been Um, very... It
0: really feels like it's changing here very, very quickly, which I'm excited about. I can't wait to get outside and go to dinner in a normal way. Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah it's, it's complicated though. You know, we yeah. do live in, uh, I, I want to be respectful and inclusive to everyone because some people are not able to get vaccinated. For example, uh, if you had another vaccine, like the shingles vaccine, you can't get the regular vaccine within six months or something. So, um, that affects quite a few people. Um, of all different age groups. Also, people under five years old are not eligible to be vaccinated yet. So, you know, if we have friends that have little kids, um, we wanna wear a mask to be respectful yeah. of them. And I think, you know, when once you've been vaccinated, I felt a real, uh, like weight had been lifted off my shoulders and I can go do anything I want now. But
1: yeah.
0: I did get sick. Um, I tested negative for COVID, but I'm pretty sure I had it. And the text was not accurate. And I want to be respectful because I could be carrying it to other people. So that's yeah. my own personal yeah. belief. And I don't push that on other people. I know a lot of people around here especially don't feel that way. And I'm not trying to convince you or tell you that your opinion's wrong I'm saying that that's my opinion <laughs> so um,
1: and I feel uh, so um, grateful because with leukemia my immunity is down but I absolutely feel so, yeah I feel so relaxed um, I'm not you know I've had all three shots and uh, just um, what is what is and I'm not fearful, but other people are very fearful, especially around my friends who have um, family or a husband who uh, help isn't really good. So there are situations where I wear a mask and others where I don't wear a mask. Yep. Just accept each person where they're at.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've talked about, uh, you know, being inclusive and you've talked about finding peace and memorizing scripture. Uh, what flusters you, Betty? Because we all get flustered. And um, I think it's a an interesting question. You know, we all get flustered. I, I got flustered. I'll give you a funny, silly example. We were going to lunch the other day on a play date and this little uh my my son who's 11 he had a friend over we all went to lunch so that's the situation and he was like arguing with me and it was such a silly situation and we were talking about uh something and it doesn't even matter but he like flustered me and i was like why am i getting flustered by this little kid like <laughs> Uh, it really caught me off guard and I want to get better at that skill. I want to uh, really flex that muscle and uh, put myself into situations where I can share my opinion and uh, learn how to engage that uh, situation a little bit differently. Um, And meditation has really helped me. With that, where I can take a deep breath and I can say, "You know what I'm going to let this kid win today because uh, it it is completely inconsequential what happened in this, but the way that I make him feel, he will remember that forever, so yeah. I want to um, just throw that out there. What flusters you
1: well, I think, and I'm in a different scenario then you are completely what flusters me is when I um have overextended like when I was trying to, the days I was working to get that grown into a safe sleep place and all of that and then I didn't get enough rest
0: yeah that's so and, important to take care of yourself
1: Oh, that's the major word that all the doctors are telling me. You have to learn to pace yourself in a yeah. completely different way. And then I was, oh, this is this is awful. And I think no, it's not, Betty. Just pull back and do what you have to do, and don't make too many appointments. Or you know, there are those moment those days when you have to take care of a, an emergency but yeah you know will i accept my reality um you know just like you with your son you know right now this is annoying but i can let it go
0: yep and, exactly
1: but for me and then i know i sound very religious but anyway like you're
0: night. a missionary for God's sake Look.
1: <laughs> whatever <laughs> that
0: means you're supposed to do that
1: <laughs> yeah well it is my life and so the night before I was going to present this idea of collecting money which felt very uncomfortable but it did to me and to present this idea and and the Lord just I woke up in the night and the two words that I felt he gave me were be humble and be gentle. Oh, and interesting. Not, no, having an attitude you know, after all, we have so much and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> you know, what we should take care of this. Humble Nobody and is, gentle,
0: but do it anyway? Or how did that yeah. go? Humble and gentle and what?
1: And go ahead and present oh, it.
0: And present yeah. it, yeah.
1: And so the... A lady sitting next to me, she said, Betty, well, of course, we all have so much because these women are um, upper middle class, I would say. Yeah. Uh, so of course we can do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and why would you be concerned? I said, I was so afraid I would just sit here and cry. I just felt so uncomfortable for me to suggest to somebody else that they should give money. And yeah. then again, you know, I was so blessed because the uh, alliance is very unusual. We don't have, we never had to raise our own support. Once they accepted us as missionaries, then they did through various means to raise our money. But can you imagine having to raise your own support year after year and... Make sure everybody thought you were a winning horse to put their money on.
0: <laughs> That's such a funny way to phrase it, but I understand what you're saying.
1: Yeah, and I thought <laughs> God has blessed me because I just never had to ask for money. Yeah. And um been able to save enough and be where I am in my little safe cocoon here in my little apartment. That's great. Planning to stay until they carry me out. So, what what
0: do you tell yourself when um, you get flustered? Um, I, I do it anyway. It.
1: Calm down. Accept your reality. Um, don't try to overdo. But, you know, again, the Lord just His Spirit just talks. Puts me off the ledge again and again, and yeah. I think it's because I have spent the time every morning with him and and working through my memorization. That the tr- so much of his truth is in there, and and when I'm reading the Bible, I'm always asking Lord for one verse, and I'll write that verse down, and then I write like a a conversation between the Lord and myself about how I'm going to lift that verse out today. So all of that is just percolating inside of me. It's not like picking up a little devotional in the morning and then, oh, I've done my duty and off I go. It's mm-hmm. the, the Lord's working and speaking to me is so much deeper than... Just the thought of the day. So that makes a huge difference in how I respond.
0: Yeah, that's great. I really appreciate you sharing all this. I'm going to uh, post this episode a little bit more and um, promote it just a little bit more. I wanted to kind of see how it landed with people from the first one. Everyone was super positive about it. And then uh, For our next episode, if you're willing, I'd like to do a little bit of Q&A. If people would like to ask you some questions, um, of course, you can always punt on them um, if you don't feel comfortable with it. And uh, I think that there's uh, a lot of uh, people that are interested in your story, Betty. So I'd like to share it with uh, the, the two guys across the street. Um, that you're so fond of, I'd like to share it with um, maybe uh, a few people that are dear to your heart and uh, if that's all right with you and just kind of see what other questions come up because everybody knows you a little bit differently and
1: uh, you're a
0: fascinating person and uh, I appreciate you for all of your um, quirkiness and um, eccentric behavior over the years.
1: Oh, I am very eccentric. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: hasn't come out yet in these conversations, by the way. Oh.
1: oh. Um, okay. But um,
0: maybe next time we'll talk about that.
1: I don't know how to explain that. but
0: I don't I think there you're... is anything to explain. I think it's wonderful, and I think it's who you are. And I think, um, you know, as we talk more, as we get to be more comfortable talking in this uh, setting and listening to our own voices and becoming more confident in finding our voice and the questions that we ask each other in this conversation, I think that um, the quirkiness will find its head and find find its way out. So that's what I really want to get to.
1: Yeah, I Go just ahead. really say, Ben. I I have such admiration for you. Um, oh, thank you. I can't, I can't believe how you are growing as a person and so open to growing and learning. Yeah. So uh, this is it's a very mutual respect and joy. Oh, thank you. You're welcome, my dear nephew. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh Yay. so this is uh something that's uh ongoing and we're both learning in this process and I appreciate you Betty and uh until next time uh thank you very much for the conversation.
1: Oh you're welcome and thank you. All right. We'll talk
0: again uh soon. Uh and I this time it took 5 months. I don't want it to be that that long in the future.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, did, to be really honest, it um, it took a little push on my part to oh yeah to do this again totally. Who wants to just talk about themselves? That, that I was know. Really uncomfortable to me, but I just it, wanting to honor you for, and show respect for your journey. I. I pushed
0: myself. Well, so Betty, that so is I why. I
1: did.
0: Thank you. And and that is why I called it the Real Ben Howard, uh, this blog that I'm starting, because I do want to push through. And, yeah, maybe it took an hour, but we finally learned that, that it was a hard thing to do this, and we did it anyway. So that's yeah. awesome.
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, study. thank you. Okay.
0: Bye. <laughs> Bye.